Hey guys, welcome back for another episode of Echoes on Air. Um, I got some good friends here with me that are going to talk about something that I think is important because, you know, I'm black and uh, I've lived abroad. And so we're going to talk about what it's like being black and abroad and our experiences here in the U.S. versus abroad. So why don't we start with Darnell, why don't you uh, intro yourself, please? Okay, yeah, I'm Darnell Walker, Darnell Lamont Walker. I use my middle name uh, just because Google always pulls up a Darnell Walker that's been arrested somewhere in Texas. Uh, <laughs> uh, and I, I just moved back to the States just for a, a few months uh, for work, but uh, I currently live in South Africa. I'm a filmmaker, a writer, currently creating children's media, which is pretty interesting because I never thought I would love it, but I do, uh, working for Sesame Street right now. And so it's like this full circle moment. Uh, and, and, and that's me. Yeah. And you're low-key kind of crazy. So the fact that you're creating things for children is slightly concerning and impressive. It, it shows that you have depth and range, my friend. And it shows that you can do anything you want to do. If I, <laughs> if I can do it, you can do it. Well, hello, my name is Taya Goolsby and I'm also um, an ESL teacher. I've been traveling for about two years. I too have only been back in the States for about, I think seven months or so. And um, I don't have anything to plug, but, <laughs> but just traveling as um, a black female has been a wonderful experience for me. And I'm excited about um, sharing my experience with you all. We're really gonna just talk about, I guess, what it's like traveling. Cause I feel like a lot of people I don't know if y'all got this experience uh, when you decided that you were gonna move. My parents, of course, were just worried about the safety aspect of traveling, but other people were like, but why? Like, America is the greatest place on earth. Why would you move somewhere else? What, like, what was y'all's experience? What did y'all get? I think mine was the same thing because I went to, you know, we went to Colombia, I went to Bogota. So the, you know, the, I guess the, bad stigma of Colombia and traveling and being there. My family was like, no, <laughs> is yeah. there anywhere you want to go? <laughs> like anywhere but, you know, South America or anywhere but Colombia. So I got a lot of pushback from there. And then just from cousins and aunts and things, they were like, why, the same thing. Why do you want to leave America? Why don't you just go to the West Coast? Like if you want to travel, go further up North or something like that. But they were definitely, um, resistant to traveling abroad. Mm. Yeah, I think for me, uh, my family's just very used to it. So mm. I just go and I didn't tell, I forgot to tell anybody I was moving to South Africa actually. Like, I think I, I like called the airline. I had a free ticket on, on Virgin. So I, I called the airline. I was like, yeah, can I use my ticket tomorrow? They said, yeah. Booked a <laughs> ticket to South Africa, get, went over there, found a place. Uh, my mom called me maybe a week later. She's like, what are you doing? I was like, I'm asleep. She's like, you never go to sleep this early. Where are you at? I was like, oh, shoot. I, I forgot to tell you, I moved to South Africa last week. Wow. <laughs> and, and she's like, oh, well, wow. be safe. Because, okay, so, and I and I, I forgot I forgot to actually say toward the beginning, like, these people here that we're talking to, like, I know that a lot of people in my audience think that I'm well-traveled and these folks travel more than I do. Like I, I've been to like a couple places, these folks over here, they just be getting on planes and gone. And I think Darnell is low key Carmen San Diego. Like I've been saying that he is, he like, I, I, I think he's never in the same place for more than like five seconds. Cause I don't even ask questions anymore. 
I just, I just, I'm like, hey, what are you doing? Where are you? I think my first question is always, where are you? And that's my, like, anytime something happens in the world, though, it's crazy because, like, there's a bombing in, in France or something happened in London or whatever. She calls and I'm, she's like, where are you right now? I'm like, I'm in Virginia. I just told you I was home. She's like, I just got to make sure. <laughs> we will, we will go to sleep and you'll be in Virginia and we will wake up and you will be in Greece and we won't know what happened. True story. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Jay? Uh, I think for me, um, my my family was very apprehensive about me uh, up and moving, but they know how I am. Like if I if I set my mind to say I'm gonna do something, I'm just gonna do it. So um, yeah, they they it came as a shock, but I don't really worry about it. I just I just do what feel good to me. So that's fair. Did you get me? Did you get any pushback from like other people outside of family? Uh, yeah. A little bit. They they asked a lot of questions about why would I want to go to where uh, terrorists are, and because I'm in the Middle East, and because uh, that's why the only place that makes terrorists, right? <laughs> <laughs> and um, so yeah, but I I, I just uh, attributed that to them being ignorant about the culture and about the life, and like I said, it really don't matter. If if I feel like I want to do it, I'm gonna do it, and I just roll the dice. Was there a reason you chose to leave? like a specific reason or was no. it like you woke up one morning? Um, no, I, I worked with a lady who told me she thought I would be good for uh, the project that was over there. Mm -hmm. Looked into it, thought I would be good and so I just I just went with it. What about y'all? For me it was a little bit different. I had, um, I have a bachelor's degree in digital media production and I have been working for NBC for like six plus years. And I just became super stagnant in my position and there wasn't much room for growth. And I had looked into getting certified to teach. And not only did I want to travel, I wanted to experience a culture and learn a language and things like that. So I didn't want just a tourist experience. I wanted to be fully immersed in the culture. So I did my research on a TEFL certification, got certified, and I chose Colombia because um, my church in Atlanta was actually founded in Bogota, Colombia. So I decided to go over there because I wanted to, you know, go to church and be fully immersed in the culture um, over there. So that's why I decided to go. And I just left everything, sold my stuff, <laughs> quit my job, and was like, bye, deuces. I feel that. Damn, man. Uh, for, <laughs> me, for me, I um, have been tra I think I've been traveling for about two years or so, just trying to figure out if things go crazy, where am I going to go? And it started, I guess, when, uh, when the whole Freddie Gray, when the Fre Freddie Gray situation happened in Baltimore. And Ooh. so I just started traveling. I was like, you know, I can't be here in the States anymore. Travel, 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 try to figure out where can black folks go in the world? <laughs> and strangely enough, South Africa was not on my list, but I, I um, had a film that got into a film festival there. And so when I went to the film festival, I mean, day one, it was like the greatest place. I've never felt so welcomed in a place. It was beautiful. Um, the people were amazing. The prices were extremely cheap. And I think day two, I said, yeah, I'll be back in a couple of months. And I just moved over. And honestly, that's legit how it happened, too. Because I remember talking to you before. Like, I, I remember talking to you when you said it got in the festival. Yeah. And I remember talking to you while you were there. And you were like, yeah, I'm staying here. And I was like, ha, ha, ha. But that was also that was also before I knew you as well as I know you now. So like you were like, yeah, I'm staying here. I was like, ha ha ha. <laughs> and I was like, oh, wait, oh wait, that was real. You doing that for real? Like that's, <laughs> that's what you really doing. <laughs> that's what you really doing.
Um, that's funny because, like, I think for me, like, the whole move for me was I just hated my job. Like, I was just, I was just done. And I, I got to a point where I was like, it's just too stressful. It's too stressful to be somewhere eight hours a day that you don't like. Do you know how long eight hours a day is? That is a long time to absolutely hate what you do and the people that you are around. That's just, that's so much time out of your life. And <laughs> I was like, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't do this. I just, um, I'm just going to leave. But I, I kind of was like in between because, you know, I'm, I'm known for a good secret. Like I don't tell my parents that I do things. Um, until I'm ready to do things. Like, I don't, I'm known to hold on to something until I commit to it personally. Um, so I had made the decision to move to Columbia, and I don't know why. I don't, I don't know why. It was just the name that stuck out. And I didn't even know anything. Like, shows how ignorant I was. I didn't know anything about anything about Columbia. I was just like, I'm going to go. That's where I'm going to go. It, I tell people it was the equivalent of, like, closing your eyes and spinning the globe and, like, pointing to something. That's what I did. And I was like, I'm going to go there. I'm going to figure out how to teach. And I got the certification. And I was like, OK, well, the certification is in. I guess I should tell some people. Like, maybe I should tell somebody that I didn't sign my lease or whatever. And like, got off the plane like Mary Tyler Moore and was like, I don't know where I am. <laughs> I don't know where to live. I don't know what to do. I don't have a job. I'm just gonna, yeah, I just got off the plane. I, I figured out, like, I was like, I'm gonna save up enough money. I got enough to live for like six to eight months. And then when the money runs out, I guess I'll come back. And then three years later, I was like, I mean, I'm still here. But yeah, so I, I, I think it's interesting what pulls people. What, what, what kept you abroad, though? Uh, I think for me, I, I, I mean, I loved it. Um, yes. And then the, the price, I mean, South Africa is extremely cheap. It extremely cheap. Uh, I mean, I, like I had a thousand, bit, a thousand square foot apartment you've seen the apartment I, you know and i paid like 500 bucks and okay hold on just as a timeout, taya you remember what my apartment looked like yes okay his is like two and a half times that and i paid 400 i paid 400 dollars, and he paid 500 wow. and i was in the yes. expensive neighborhood though yes. and that was like that was in one of the most expensive neighborhoods um and so, so that's what that's I, what in Colombia was shared. I shared with an abuelita, and it was nice, but it wasn't that big. Like oh, <laughs> I wasn't about that sharing life. Call me selfish. I need to come home. I need to be able to kick people out when they need to leave. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't, oh. but and you know, and then I just kind of um, fell in. Like I fell in love with the people, fell in love with the place, and then everything. At one point, I was going to leave. Um, and then Trump started talking shit about North Korea. And I was yeah. like, you know what? It's not that bad. <laughs> and so I, because I, I was just going to go back to LA, and North Korea is like, well, we have missiles that can hit LA. And so you keep talking shit, <laughs> you can let it go. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to stay over here for a little while longer. Um, yeah, yeah. And so honestly, out. that's what kept yeah. me over there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I had an amazing time abroad. Like, so I started out in South America and Colombia, but then when I went to Taiwan, like I had an amazing time. I went from, Colum I went from New York to Atlanta to Colombia to riding my bike down the street to get groceries in Taiwan. And it was just a, the most refreshing, amazing experience that I've had. And the most, for the most part, most people were welcoming. 
Um, I love the freshness of the fruits in the markets and just getting to know people, learning a language, like me being confused in the street, like, okay, I have to communicate with someone via gestures or something so that I can get what I need. Like, I love the challenge of that every day and just meeting new people and being able to affect little children's lives, explaining or sharing my culture and teaching them um, English. It was just an amazing experience and I would definitely continue to do it. Yeah, for me, this is this is going on year six that I've been in the UAE. And I think, uh, yeah, yeah, this is going on year six. And I think for me, uh, outside of the uh, financial advantages, I think just being able to form different relationships with people from all over the world. Like I have friends, South Africa, Australia, Ireland. Um, I mean, these are opportunities I wouldn't have if I was just here in the States. And um, it's that uh, along with, um, it's a lot of like-minded people in the sense that uh, it's a lot of open-mindedness, uh, a lot of tolerant people. And so, while we all come from different backgrounds, um, people are very accepting, and I like that as well. Um, and then just being able to travel. I mean, from from where I am, I can I, I go anywhere, and it's it's just dirt cheap, really. And so, uh, yeah, I'm I'm quick to hop on a plane and be somewhere. I'd be real jealous too. Yeah. Every time yeah. I look up, I mean, I'd be <laughs> real jealous. Yeah. Um. What. I guess we're going to get into the real stuff then. What's it like being abroad and looking at the U.S.? Like, I can tell you, my, oh, everybody's head just dropped a little bit. Um, because, I, like, it's funny you say that the Freddie Gray thing was a trigger for you. That's actually um, what made me come back was the Alton Sterling. I was like, I can't, I, I didn't feel like I could help change things from where I was. Like I felt really disconnected in a sense that like, I couldn't do a podcast like this where I could talk to people, you know, across different, you know, sexual orientations, genders, races, where it would really be understood. Right. And so for me, that's, that's really one of the main, I mean, family and all that too, and friends, but the main reason was that moment that I felt super, super, super disconnected that I literally got on a plane that weekend and came back because I needed to be here yeah. with people who look like me and understood because I was there with people who look like me and they were like, I mean, yeah, that's really sad. Yeah, no big And deal. I was like, no, no, it's more than sad. I need us to throw <laughs> some things around. Like, yeah. like, what's happening? I need us to be more than just really sad. Um, so that's what really made me come back was, was that. So what's it like for you guys to be abroad and like looking I guess looking at your home from the outside looking in um it also made me sad too um but I would say I have the opposite I'm like this is the reason why I'm going abroad like this is too much going on <laughs> no over the country is like my heart gets overwhelmed with the things that happen to people who look like me in my very own country where I'm from so being abroad is a breath of fresh air living abroad is a breath of fresh air for me because yeah. um I face those same um, hardships or issues you know I've faced some issues but not on a scale as we face in um, 
um, our country here. So being abroad was was great. I'm like, I can't wait to take my family back overseas. Like, But I do keep myself abreast of what's going on when I am abroad, just so that I'm in the know. But for me, it has a reverse effect. I'm like, I'm happy that I'm here. I kind of think I, I kind of just want to be like six months here, six months gone. Like, I, like I, I'm going a, I'm to a hit... I'm going to hit a, a period because I've been back for like six months now and I'm like, it's time. I'm starting to understand Darnell's, Darnell's be out syndrome. Syndrome. <laughs> I'm telling you, like, you know, and, and it's crazy because for me being in South Africa and because uh, American culture has just made it everywhere and everyone looks at America like, oh. It's amazing over there. They don't. They didn't show the news that I had to look up in South Africa. I had to like get on Facebook. I had to get on Twitter and actually get my updates on what was happening. And so I'm looking at it like, oh my God, they've killed another black man. They've killed another black woman. They they're still terrorizing. And then, but all the South Africans are looking at me like, why would you want to come here? America is so amazing. What are you doing? And I'm, so like every Uber ride. Every, without exaggeration, I had to explain to them why they shouldn't go to America. <laughs> and um, do not go there. Do not go there. And so, you know, and so for me, and I also had the same same uh, situation where it was like, I felt like I was running, but I was. I'm also very involved uh, politically, and I'm an activist. And so there. So most of the time, I would come back. Um, one because I was living illegally in South Africa, I didn't have a visa, so every. <laughs> So every three months I had to disappear anyway. So it was like, okay, now I can go back for about two weeks and help help fight in the U.S. So I showed up, you know, in Baltimore and in um, Ferguson and in New Orleans and, and everywhere. It was like, okay, what are we going to do? How are we going to handle it? I got two weeks and I got to go back. <laughs> and, just, and just staying active. You know, I just had to remain as active as I could from far away and help put people that were there in the right place right it was it was tough you know it's it's heartbreaking and it's because you feel uh, like you feel uh helpless and um in in the u.s it's like they're killing us and there's nothing we can do but then you're you're abroad and it's like they're killing and there's there's really nothing you know in ferguson it was like okay i can i can go and buy a, a ton of water and make sure that the people who are marching are you know uh, yeah. their thirst is quenched, whatever. And in, in South Africa, it's like, yeah, I can only watch it on the news and, and just tweet, you know. Right. And and then I sometimes I would be like, I'm no better than, you know, somebody some of these other folks. If all I'm gonna do is tweet stuff, what would make you move back at this point? What would nothing? Not, oh, Jeremy, to come back. You, you know, it's interesting because, um, like like my man. Um, Darnell, yeah. Similarly, uh, where I'm at in the UAE, a lot of people are like, um, "Man, I want to get to the U.S. I want to get to the U.S. I want to get to the U.S." But I'm like, it's not as it's not as, as as peachy and cream as you think it is. But I will say that um, being in the Middle East and I'm I look like them, right? Like I'm over there and, and I'm often mistaken for an Arabic guy because. I mean, we could, I could have brothers over there. And um, it's, it's, just, it's kind of a, it's strange, it's a strange feeling, but it's a sense of belonging. Like, you know, that they embrace me so easily and so openly that it's just like, it's so easy to be around them. Like when I'm over there, I'm, I'm in the Candora, I got the Cifron, I, I mean, I'm doing, just doing things that they do 
Um, and it feels so so easy and so natural. Um, so coming back, and I, and I think I just appreciate a kind of lifestyle where you are just generally accepted for who you are. Like you don't have to conform to, to the pressures of society. And uh, here there's just a lot of society, societal pressures that you don't even really realize until you, you're gone and you get away and then you think like, oh, all the stuff that I thought was so important back home is virtually non-existent, yeah. And um, just to back off what you said, um, the, for the, when you asked the question, um, Janelle, I was like, well, you know, most people assume in the places that I've been, most people assume that I'm from Africa. No one assumes that I'm American. <laughs> so it doesn't, it, for me, um, expressing how I feel about my country, it doesn't really come up until I have to explain to someone, no, I'm not African. I'm actually African American. <laughs> and that's when it comes up like, oh, then I have to talk about like Trump. Everyone always wants to talk about Trump. Of course. Uh, and I don't be wanting to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. I be hurt. I don't want to talk about it. But even at first glance, people just assume that I'm Nigerian or Ghanaian or something like that. So like just piggyback off what you're saying, people, you you look like where you are for most of the for most of where if you're traveling somewhere where there's black people. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I, for me, I, I said I wasn't I wasn't going to come back, and actually. If, um, I was, I left South Africa in March, not to move because my things, my place is still there and all that. I was just traveling um, for work and I was in Europe. And then that's when Sesame Street called and did the interview and was like, okay, could you come June 4th? And I'm like, damn. Uh, so it was, it was a situation where it was like the dream job call. And that's what brought me back because I was leaving South Africa this summer and, and moving to, um, the south of France, and My man. now it's now it's you know done. Now, now I'm like okay, now I got to be in the U.S. for a while because this thing opened up, and but I hope I'm hoping to get into a spot where I can work from anywhere. Like if I stay in children's media, I can actually still go to the south of France and create there. But if I get into if I work for an adult show, then I have to be in a writing room in the U.S. And so it's like this. It, it already just it feels so heavy. Like the U.S. is just <laughs> draining the way and, and being here for i've been here since june 4th uh, june 3rd and i'm already just like i i don't understand how you can do this because even like celebrity is a thing like i hate that i hate the celebrity culture mm -hmm. everyone is obsessed with oh my god and this and this and this person oh, da, da, da. i'm like no south africa we don't give a shit <laughs> you know the most, the most important person in south africa could be in the grocery store and someone would be like oh look <laughs> It's the president of South Africa. Oh, that's cool. And then you just keep shopping. <laughs> yeah, I come yeah. back to the U.S. and my Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, uh, and I'm just like, oh, God, don't you people have something else to talk about? There are, there are crazier things happening in the world. No, you know? we don't. <laughs> they don't. They no. Yeah, they yeah. don't. And so I just, I, I just hate being back here. But um, it's, it's, I'm trying to make the most of it and use the time wisely. I always try to like compare myself to like Baldwin when he left to go to, to France. And it's like, you know, he still came back and still fought for the people. And it was like, I gotta come back and I gotta do this, but I can also leave. Or it's like having a kid that, that's not yours is like a nephew. It's like, okay, I love children, but I can also give them back. <laughs> uh, I love America, but I can I can give it back. So what's your like y'all kind of talked a little bit about your experience. Like for me, I think the same thing that you were saying, Taya, people, but people didn't assume I was African in Colombia. People assumed that I was Colombian. 
But they yeah, but, people thought I was from Choco. Everyone thought I was from Choco. Which, by the way, that's where we're going. Darnell. Darnell. Oh. oh, is that our, is that yeah, our spot? Yeah, that's where we're yeah. going. Oh that's, my God, it looks amazing. Because I was like, I want to, I want to go, I want to go where the people look like us. Let's go. But yeah, people assumed that I was from either Choco or Cali, being there. So, I, but I will say this: when when you guys were talking about, and I kind of want to get your opinion on this. When you guys were talking about uh, people being accepting and welcoming, I got that for the most part. There, I would say like, eh, I don't know, I don't want to put a number on it, but I got that too. But I also feel like it was because I was wrapped in American privilege the way white people are wrapped in white privilege here. So I wonder from you guys, what's your experience? Because I think people didn't really, when, when they thought I was Caleña or they thought I was from Choco, they didn't really, it was like, oh, hey, there, I mean, there's some other things we can get to in a minute, but it wasn't until I spoke English that they were like, oh, you're, you're American because you're not, you're not white and blue-eyed, so it never occurred to me that you're American. Now let's be friends and let's talk and let's go these places and I'll let you into this place for like cheaper or free or... Yeah, I, you know what, I, I, I have to admit, and I, I've said this to uh, people who've asked me, how is it living abroad? And I've told them, once I got in the UAE, I've never felt more American in my life mm -hmm. than I have anywhere else, like even in the States. Like being abroad, when you say, oh, I'm an American, it's like a red carpet rolls out. Uh, yeah, you know, and, I, and I've told people over there, I was like, I don't feel this good about being American at home. <laughs> no. I don't, I was like, I, I'm, I, when I go overseas and I say I'm American and the way people kind of get in line, I'm like, oh, okay, this kind of cool. This, this is how it works, but. Um, I, so I will say I, I have experienced that, that once I say I'm an American, it's like things change. Mm -hmm. um, especially, uh, uh, I, was, I was abroad when uh, President Obama was still in office, so it definitely had an effect when, when people would say, well, when I would tell people I'm American, because immediately they'll say, oh, you Obama, mm -hmm. right? Uh, but now, you know, you kind of got to whisper yeah, it and be yeah, like, yeah, I'm, I'm American, man. <laughs> Or, or apologize right. before you say it, yeah, what I mean? There's like, there's a shrug that comes with it. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm American, sorry. Like, like I don't, I'm sorry. Uh. <laughs> but that, yeah, that, that's very interesting because I had that same experience when I went to Morocco and Obama was in office. And uh, all my friends who were sub-Saharan African, they were like, <laughs> you know, Morocco's not real African. That's not a real African place. You know, it's not Ghana, Nigeria. And I'm like, but it's in, it's in the continent, so I get to Morocco. Everyone's like, welcome to Africa, brother. You Obama, you Obama. And I'm like, yeah, like, okay, sure, come I'm American. Um, but being in South Africa, being in South Africa is so different because one, they're only uh, 24 years outside of apartheid. Yeah. Um, and so they had that whole system of oppression, very similar to the US, um, almost identical, um, but they're only 24 years out and, um, so I have to deal with, in some situations, very racist uh, people. Um, and then you have the older black folks who look at me and they think I'm, they think I'm South African or they think I'm Nigerian or from Cameroon because I'm uh, taller than the average South African man. And they'll look and they'll, and they'll treat me like shit. Like I had a doorman in my apartment. Um, the one you came to, Janelle, I had a doorman there. 
And I saw him open the door for these two white folks. And I'm, I have bags. And you have to use a fingerprint to get in my building. And so I, I struggled to get my fingerprint up there. And he just sits there and watches me. Wow. And, then he op- and then I opened the door. And I was like, dude, what's up? And his whole thing was he couldn't understand why I could afford to live in this building. Ooh. And why I why I deserve why I could afford this lifestyle that I had when it, like I said it was only like five hundred bucks a month you know what I mean and for me <laughs> which is a lot of money over there yeah uh, but I, but I had that yeah. issue everywhere until you open your mouth and they hear you talk and they're like oh he's American and then people sort of like oh I get it yeah. let me respect let me respect you now hey. you know like you go to wow. Cape Town. You got you got white folks in Cape Town who like Johannesburg is is different, very different from Cape Town, where Johannesburg is where like during the apartheid, a lot of white folks lived had amazing apartments. Um, when apartheid ended, um, they were so scared of an uprise that a lot of them ran to Cape Town, a lot of them ran, ran to Durban, and so Cape Town is where it's still very racist. And so you'll walk down the street, and if they think you're they think you're African, they'll just part their hands to make you move off the sidewalk, and a lot of the Africans will do it. You yeah. know, because they they it's what it's you mean like do like shoot them away? Yeah, they're like move. Why are you on the sidewalk? <laughs> a friend of yeah, my my one friend, she's at a she was at a salon getting her hair done. She's white. Um, she's white American, and um, she was teaching over there though, and so she's getting her hair done in the salon, and they assume that she's a white uh, South African, and so um, the the black girl who worked at the shop, she was just a cleaner. She dropped a mirror and broke it. And the white lady who owned the shop went over and slapped the, slapped the girl. It was like, how dare you drop it, da 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 and cussed her out. And so my homegirl gets in her face and was like, what the fuck is wrong with you, da 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 And she's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't know you were American. I'm, you know, I didn't know. And then she fires the black girl. And so my, so my friend is like, then I felt extremely bad because I, I made her lose her job. Wow. It's, I mean, so it's insane. But once they find out you're American, it's like, oh, yeah. I should have treated right. you with a different, it a different is. respect. You know, it's like I, I saw a meme last week that was like, people only yeah. ask what you what you do for a living so they can find so out how much respect they can how, give you. Yep, I saw that. Yeah, so they and can so, figure out how much to respect you. Yeah, <laughs> and, so, and that's how it is with where you're from. It's like, oh, I'm from America. Uh, oh, oh, let me, let me, like you said, let me roll out this red carpet for you because... <laughs> You know, you come from a place that I love, and uh, maybe I, I have access now. I can have access to whatever, you know. Yeah, I would say similar experience, not like that because I wasn't over in Africa. But yes, the same thing being in, in Colombia. Once people find out that I was not from Choco, then they were, like, "Oh, you're American, but you're not like white with blue eyes and things like that." So people start to respect you a little bit more. People are more curious. They want to ask any question they could possibly think of or they think I may know a celebrity. And most people, once I told them I was American, just piggybacking off Obama, most people wanted to tell me how much they loved Obama. Right. right. Like, no, he's not my cousin, right? right. Like, you don't know him. I'm not going to go back and tell what you said, you know? Jeremy said he claims him. He, 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 he my cousin. He my cousin. <laughs> yes, but I... I did notice the differences between um, me saying that I'm American as opposed to being Colombian. Most people were extremely nicer. Like if I was getting food or something like that, most people were like, okay, wait a minute, your Spanish is a little different. And then I would say, you know, I'm American. And people were like, oh, really? Would you like to be my wife? I got so many marriage proposals mm-hmm. in Colombia once I stated that I was American. Since you opened that door... <laughs> Since, cause you opened the door, let's go and walk through it. 
because my experience in and I I don't I did not enjoy that. Uh, but my experience in Colombia, like I would always tell my friends, especially my guy friends, yeah, you can come visit, you can stay with me. Y'all are winning. Black dudes are winning in Colombia. Uh, and Jeremy picks up the pen and writes down Colombia. <laughs> Black dudes. And and am I wrong? Am I wrong, Darnell? Oh, 100% correct. I mean, I was like, damn, this is absolutely insane. If you, if you are, especially if you are American, and because, but the downside to that, and this is the part that I didn't like, and I think this is also what's different between men and women, the downside to that is, the reason is because they praise the way you look. That brown skin is a thing. There's, there's some kind of a lord, well, I'm saying some kind, like, I don't know. I know. I know what that brown skin is. I'm just, I'm sorry, my bad. But I know, but I'm just saying it's like some sort of a lord to them where it's super attractive, but it's also a symbol of Choco or all of these other places that are poverty ridden and as if, as if they don't know what corrupt is in Bogota, but that's cool. We'll go past that too. It's associated with negative social things but yeah but like all of the social things whether it's the status the money you know whatever but it's still so pretty so what I would get it's so or, intriguing yeah oh yeah and so what I would get where the guys would come over they'd be like all the women are like hola mi amor and all these things like mi amor is thrown out super quickly right and all of a sudden y'all are like dating and you know about to have three children and, and it was different for me because what people would approach me with, it, it felt very demeaning. Like it felt like when they would approach me, like I, I was thinking about this, when I was thinking about what we were gonna talk about, the main thing that really hit me, I think it was um, Calle Cien, which is not just the finance district, but this is like big business area of Bogota, where you've got like a lot of the large businesses there, you've got the World Trade Center there, all these things that are there, right? So I, I had a class that I taught privately, I had a class that I had there, and I was at the Starbucks, and I was leaving the Starbucks and walked past the guy, and the guy was like, in a suit, he's in a full suit, tie, everything, going to work. And he was like, I have 10 minutes. You want to suck my dick? I had the same experience. Every time a guy talked to me, it was always sexual. Always sexual, you know? And I used to be like, wait, what is going on here? Like, I didn't even say anything to you. But when you see me, you... That's the first thing that you think. Not only do you think it's okay, but the first thing you... It's, it's not okay, you know? And then when you start speaking, then it's like, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, because you like I can snap on you in English and Spanish. And Spanish. And it happens. Do you hear me? Because I will get right directly back with you in all of the languages I got. Don't don't make me pull the seven words I know in French. But that that I mean, but those are that has to be some correlation between the culture that's already so, existing. And so, which brings me to the part when I said when when she opened the door, which brings me to that. So yes, there is a correlation to the culture. And the thing about Colombia that they, they will tell you is that they're not racist, that there is a class problem. Right, they will tell you real quick, we not racist. And, and, and that's why I wanna kinda talk about it with respect to the US, because a lot of people in the US are like, racism doesn't exist like it used to. No, it doesn't look 
like it used to. It exists exactly the same way that it used to. It just don't look the same. So being there, what they will tell you is racism, they, we don't have a race problem, we have a class problem. And then my immediate question to that is, right, but who the upper class, what they look like? Right, so if the upper class is all white and the lower class is all not white, then some tell me, but that, so there is a race problem there is a race problem with respect to that. There are a couple of things that I found out over the time that I was there where I would ask questions. And you always have to approach it really carefully because so many people are really quick to say, we're not racist. So you have to approach it super carefully. And a couple of things that I noticed, and it took me a while to just ask people flat out. So um, Brazilian, brown-skinned Brazilian women uh, prostitutes, you'll see a lot of different posters for prostitutes that are Brazilian. And so people would make that distinction as well. Oh, she's brown skin. She looks a little different. I didn't look super different, but she looks a little different, so maybe she's Brazilian. Ergo, she must be. Right. Or, which actually happened to me more often um, because of where I would teach. So I had um, a student, all my students have money clearly, because they could afford a private tutor. So all my students had money. And so I would go, and to get to these people's apartments, it, you would think you were going to the president. Like, so I'd have to take the bus. Um, it was in, they were in Cerritos. They were in Cerritos, like, uh, 140 something. So they, so they were, you'd, I'd have to take the bus. It would be at the end of the line of that bus, and I'd have to walk, like, about six blocks or whatever to their place. And you walk up the hill to their portero, like their doorman, and the doorman is just to their community. It's not even to their house. So you'd have to go up to the portero, and he has to call in, check you in. Then you get onto their property and wait for another bus to take you to their place, their, like their building. So then you wait for that bus. You take that bus to their building. They were the 15th building. Then you talk to another portero who will let you into that building and let you up to their apartment, right? So that's to give you the type of money we're talking about. Once I was there, like I remember waiting for the bus to leave, the guy, there was a guy who was like, hey, what's your name? Um, I'm looking for someone to clean my house. Now, first of all, I'm not crazy when a dude walks up to a girl and it's nighttime outside and you talking about, hey, I need some work, no matter how innocent that ish sound, nah, bruh, I'm good, right? <laughs> but, but... I had mentioned it to my kid's mother, my student's mother, and she was like, oh, yes. So what happens is, is they will hire people to do work, but they really want you to be their mistress. So what they're asking you is, right, what they're asking you is, can you be my, like it's called an empleada, like your employee essentially, during the day for paper reasons, but really you're my girlfriend and you come here because we don't want to tell people that we're dating someone who is black. So my girlfriend is going to be white Colombian, but you're going to be my mistress, but we're going to call you my empleada. So those are the ways that I would get approached. Now, black dudes became boyfriends and husbands, but black chicks. <laughs> did not become such a thing. Right. What's funny about that is that you were, the club we went to, uh, Carne... Andres Carne de Res, yeah. Yeah, so we were there. That's actually where he and I met. 
Yeah, oh. and you you remember the the Colombian chick that I was dancing with? She was yeah. like, she was like, I'll drop out of school. She was like, <laughs> I'll drop out of school for you. She was like, I want I want to marry you. Like whenever you're ready, I will come and be with you, no, and you can come and stay here. And I'm like, where the where the fuck am I? What is going on? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, this is Columbia. I'm coming back. This is cool. You know? but, yeah, but see, yes, I get it. And they they are. That's why I was like, black dudes are winning. Well, y'all come, y'all. Hey, y'all have. So my was a little different because I was in Salitre, so it wasn't as uh, yeah, that's different. Still pretty uppity, lots of banks and corporations and things there. And my students mainly were like the policia, the mm -hmm. air force, um, doctors and lawyers and things like that. So when I had private classes, my students would, oh, teacher, um, are you? They would say, in this moment, teacher, are you single in this moment? Do you have a boyfriend in this moment? <laughs> I kind of got over it. I got over being called negra and morena every day, you know, being yeah. catcalled by those terms. I mean, I had to, you know, kind of take with a grain of salt being called those things. But at the same time, it's like the, the I guess the society of you guys being okay with seeing me and thinking that, oh, you can easily think that, you know, I'm going to give you sex. Not only do you think that you're going to ask for it, you think that you're actually going to get it, right? <laughs> you know, from me, too, which was my problem, because yes, yes, I had right. to say no so many times. Yeah, I, I definitely, like, I, that's the part I, I definitely don't miss, because I felt like there were always, like, really superficial connections. So, like, I and, and that's what, like, people were like, you didn't date the whole time you were there? I was like, nah, because I didn't know who I could trust. Like, I know, I didn't know if you really are talking to me or if you're talking to the American Right. Like I didn't know, like I didn't I didn't know who I could trust. So I didn't really do a lot of I didn't I didn't date there or anything. Um, so, yeah, it, I think it, it was. And also just to throw this out there, there is this saying that says you don't get to heaven unless you've had sex with a black woman. Oh, my God. I've had that happen to me, too. You don't get to heaven unless you have sex Yo, with a black girl. I was like, wait, they what? Got, they got. They got some of the best lame game out there. That's that's some of the best lame game I've ever heard. Right on, right on. Kind of thoughts, but at the same time, Yo. you can't just give it away to everybody. Wow. You can't just ask for it so up front. They were on the hit list from Jump just so they could get to heaven. Like wow. that's that's how they get into heaven. Is <laughs> look at all these giving. Look at all of us giving uh, these, these white Colombians the key They're to heaven. Trying to get into the prison. Notice they didn't say we could go, though. They said that's how they gonna get the there. The pearly gates. First of all, just a little brief history. So I met Darnell at XYZ years ago, still in the gap. Uh, two something, two and a half, I don't know. Three. Um, uh, yeah. And was it, was it two and a half? It was, uh, it, it was, it, was September it of 2015. Oh, great. I'm glad you remember these things. Okay, so I met Darnell in September of 2015. Uh, and we met uh, at Andre, well, we met at the hostel on the way to Andres Canederes, right? Yep. Um, and so I remember before I made you try your favorite drink, Andres is like what? Was it like an hour, hour and a half outside of Bogota? And you, so we had to, we went to the hostel, we had to get on that, that van, that party bus that wasn't really a party bus, and then we went to, to uh, uh, where is it? I can't remember where it is right now. 
I can't remember the town. Uh, but so we, we go there. And I remember the first thing I had found out about you, I was like, he's from the, first of all, I'm going to tell you my first thought when I saw, saw you there now. Uh-oh. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. You ready? Yep. Black people! That was my first thought. This was my first thought. I, I didn't know anything about you. I didn't like. I didn't know any. All I knew is Black Americans are here. I am so excited. So the first thing I thought, okay, and then and then I found out you were a writer, and that's kind of you know what I want to be in my in my life and stuff. So I was like, okay, Black person like me and a writer, we're totally BFFs, and he doesn't know it, right? <laughs> and then that's why I set him up for failure because I felt like we had connected on a level that he was even he was not even aware of. So Aguardiente is the nastiest drink, but it is the drink of choice. It is a horrible decision. It's a horrible life decision. I understand your confusion. The taste is terrible. Yes. But they it's, the, it's, it's the, the best drink. drink. They melted down a black licorice and black <laughs> jelly. They, they, you drink it. And add it in like vinegar, and then <laughs> stir it up, and then yep. that's. <laughs> and you get it. Wait, this is not a shot. This is a drink. No, 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 it's, it's a, a shot. shot. Oh, if it's a shot, then see, yeah, and, and also, shot, comma, it's probably right. important to know that our connection is through people who take shots. That's what we do. <laughs> all we do with our lives when we get together. Although the older I get, that we is just horrible. We gonna have to start doing glasses that of is wine. Horrible. Cause these shot. Listen, this shot life. Wines in uh, Colombia. <laughs> I probably did. Who knows? I just drank. I just <laughs> took whatever they offered. But when I met you, that was your first trip with Passport Required, right? Yeah, that was that was the first trip. Yep. So, what is Passports? Is it Passport without the S or Passports Required? Passport without the S. Required. Okay. So tell tell the lovely listeners. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So I. I was I travel. I love to travel, and I'm cheap. I'm very like I'm very cheap. I'm a minimalist. frugal. You're frugal. Frugal, very frugal. Um, and I'm very much a minimalist. Like all the things I own in this world can fit into my backpack, basically. And so, um, I would just travel. I would just go. And one day, I think I got I got back from um, traveling around, backpacking around Europe. And a friend of mine says, I think I spent maybe in three weeks, the entire trip cost maybe like four hundred and fifty bucks. You know. And so I got back to LA and a friend says, you know, you should take people with you because that would be an eye-opener thing. He's like a yogi, one of those people, you know. He's like, oh, this could change people's lives and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, all right, yeah, okay, cool. I'll create something, I'll send it out and see if anybody signs up. So what I did, I created this company that does secret trips around the world. Um, you don't know where you're going, you have no idea. No trip uh, until five days before. No trip costs more than 925 bucks. Um, that includes round trip ticket and lodging. I had two people sign up for the Columbia trip. Um, and this was like this was like the rough stages of it. So it was like, all right, sign up. I'll meet you at the airport and we'll go from there. And so it wasn't any like conversation before. And so it was crazy because uh, one girl, Chanel, she got to the airport. She's like, do you know how crazy it is to tell your family you're going somewhere with someone you don't know, mm -hmm. meeting them at an airport, and you're just giving them $900? I was like, actually, that does sound crazy, but it sounds kind of fun. Uh, and it just went from there. So that was three years ago almost. Um, and I think in the last three years, we've done about 34 or so world, world cities. Um, I think this year we've done 
Hong Kong, well, we've, done, we've done a lot, Hong Kong, Brazil, South Africa, um, Colombia, of course, um, Iceland, yeah. London, and it's, it's pretty cool. Um, um, we've done Dubai, um, and so it's been pretty good so far. Uh, I tell people that it's secretly my way to get black people to leave the States mm -hmm. uh, for, the, for, the, for cheap, but it's for everybody. Um, but like for 925, you can't really beat it, especially with these, some of these companies out there charging people like 4,000 right. and, and you don't even get a flight out of it. It's like flight not included. And I'm like, yeah. Jesus, what are, you do what are you guys doing on these trips? Um, so we've been, you know, it's cool. So we've been featured in GQ and um, it's just, it's been a great time so far. Man, where, where were you when I went to Italy? <laughs> oh man. Bro, I needed you then, man. I felt like, I mean, it was a good trip, but I felt like I paid too much. Oh man, that's so and it's what's crazy is that my I, I was talking to my cousin. I had a family reunion yesterday, and he's planning his birthday trip for January. So I'm like, oh, where are you going? He's like, you know, we go to the DR. I was like, how much is the trip? He's like, oh, you know, so far I got it down to about fifteen hundred a person. I'm like, to go to the DR? What? No, talk to me. So by the end of the day, he's like, oh, I'm gonna sign up. And 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 it's so cool because luckily we've been fortunate enough to grow, and people are like more people are signing up. Um, and this year I've, I've started um, giving people free trips. If they have friends that want to go on a trip, I'm like, all right, if you can get three friends to go, your trip is free. Um, and it's still only 9.25. But bro, how, we, how, we, how do we sign up? Because I, I know people want to get up out of here. Right on, so it's, it's at passportrequired.com. Okay. Um, and just so that people know, we're gonna put the link in, uh, the link will be in there as well. Okay. Yeah, and so it's, it's, so it's, it's been really cool, like I, um, I've sent about four people on free trips with however many friends they have. I got like two more that have signed up recently that are like, oh my God, I want to go somewhere for my birthday. And it's like, I mean, you go to Miami or, or Atlanta or Vegas and you're spending $2,000. You can leave right. the country and spend nine twenty nine twenty five. Like, that's insane. Right. Yeah. So, um, and it feels good. Like I, I, I don't care about money. And so that's been, <laughs> so that's been a great thing. But what the, the downfall of it is, trying to grow the business and I'm getting all these people like, oh, I would love to help you do the marketing. And then they're like, okay, so if I can get you $200,000 from people who want to just give you money and sponsor, what would you do with the money? And I'm like, I have no idea. What what do people do with $200,000? <laughs> and they're like, okay, I'm hanging up. I'll, you call me back when you think about money. <laughs> okay, all right, cool. Yeah, so, but it's, it's great. I'm having a lot of fun. Um, this year, last year, I went on every trip we go on, uh, I'd say 10, 10 of the 12 months of the year, we'd have a trip. And so last year, I think by September, I was so tired. So this year I've hired people to go in my place also. So people who, you don't even have to know the world. You just have to be able to keep people alive, basically. Right. And make sure they get to the airport, make sure that everything runs smoothly. And you can go in my place and say, hey, I'm good. So I have someone leading the trip next week to Iceland. Um, had someone lead last, uh, last, uh, last month they went to... Where'd they go? The last group went to uh, uh, Cartagena. Mm. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and Bogota. So, yeah, it's been, it's been a pretty good time. I got one more question for you. <laughs> we about, we, we making business things right now. Yeah. We, we, done, we, done moved, yeah. we done moved past just the regular conversation portion. So, um, if, you had, if, if it's people who are traveling internationally, how, how would you work that out? Um, so, I... <laughs> Not yeah, I have. I've only had people who've come from um, the U.S. The U.S. and then I had a few folks come from um, very close by, so neighboring islands. 
Um, and so it's worked out as far, but, but I do welcome people who come from other places. And so they, they emailed me and say, Oh, you know, I'm coming from, um, from one, one woman was coming from London. And I was like, okay, so I can just figure out the cost difference and we can work it out because in my, like, I know where we're going to go. So if we're coming to, um, if we're coming to that side, then it, it would be either the same price. It would never be cheaper. Right, but right, it, right. It, it could be the same price because uh, actually that did happen. Um, actually, uh, for our April trip, April, the April trip, we always do um, Amsterdam. People know that we're going to be in Amsterdam on April 27th for the King's birthday because it's like this crazy festival. Bro, I was um, there last year. Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. going every year like the last yeah. year. So you know King's Day. Yeah, King's Day is a fool, man. <laughs> so this, this, this year was actually, last year it kind of rained a little bit, but this year yeah. was, was amazing. Yeah. Like yeah. So we always do April twenty seventh in Amsterdam, but uh, everything else is unknown. So this year we uh, we landed in Amsterdam. We went down to uh, Cologne, Dusseldorf, Strasbourg, uh, Switzerland, and Luxembourg, and then um, back to Rotterdam and Amsterdam. Um, and so we had people who were coming from London. Um, and so for them, it was the same price. Um, but if you're coming from somewhere closer, I try to throw in something extra for them. Mm -hmm. Um, but if let's say you were coming from the UAE and we were going to Japan and you know, whatever that price difference would be, we would talk about that. Okay. So, okay. I'm going to, I'm going to steal this back. I want to ask you a question, especially because y'all have been traveling, like I said, and with you having traveled to all these different places recently, what is the country that you've been to where you've experienced the most or least racial tension? And I'm going to give you a second to hold on to that thought. I don't have to think about okay, the great. most. Okay, I feel like I know where you're going with this. Go and, ahead. And I mean, it's in all honesty, the most is here in the US. Mm. This is the place where I feel, I felt tension like, I mean, literally walking to a different settings mm -hmm. and you could just feel like I'm not supposed to be here. And or, why do you think that? I, and also just, just that, that just feeling, feeling that where it's I'm not supposed to be here also, comma, is why well, we got all these folks calling the police on, on folks. Like, I called the police. I called the police the other night. Did you really? I did. I was at Trinity Groves. It was a group of people. Uh, they were together. They were kind of loud. I, I just thought I should call the police. I didn't know what they were loud about, but I felt threatened. So <laughs> I called them. I, just, I did. I just. So, like, here's, but here's also the thing is, like, so I have been in a situation like that where a friend of mine nice black man called the police and police got there and he was the one that they went. He was like, I called you. I am the one who called you. And he called on a group of white people. And when they got there, they were asking the white people, are y'all okay? Uh. And he was like, I'm the one who called the police. <laughs> it was me. I am the one who had the problem. So uh. I also think that's, that's the thing. That's the thing that happens. But um, what, what about the least? Like, where do you the feel? Least, the least, um, I guess the least, I would have to say for me was Egypt. Okay. When I went to Egypt, they they wouldn't, when I would say I'm American, they wouldn't even believe it. Mm. You know, they're like, no, you one of us. You Muhammad, you Ahmed, you know. Um, but um, I guess to uh, uh, go along with your question, what I have experienced in Maybe my man, he, maybe if he's been to some of the Asian countries, he can say it too, is 
they're not, I don't think they're so used to seeing mm -hmm. people of color because when I was in Thailand and when I went to Malaysia, mm -hmm. I was stopped like a celebrity. Mm -hmm. I took so many pictures. Did you do the peace sign? Like, I, mm -hmm. by the, look, when I started, I was like this. And by the time I got, I was just like. Here we go. But I never, even with them wanting to take my picture and, and even with feeling them staring, I, I never felt like it was any racial tension. I felt like it was more curiosity. Mm -hmm. Like, how does this guy end up here? We see nobody like him. Right. right? So, and, yeah, because uh, that's important because I think because there's a huge difference in knowing when it's racism and knowing when it's just ignorance. Right, right. Like, right. They, and that's what I know. Yes. And so, I, yeah, like definitely Asia is very much like that. And it's like, you just don't know. And yeah. so, and so I respect it. And if you have any questions, I'm here to answer them. And you, you can feel it. Like, you know, right. coming from America, you know what racial tension feels like. And you know when someone just doesn't know who you are. Um, and so, like, uh, Hong, not really Hong, Hong Kong was kind of like that, but they have a very large um, African population, I think, as well. So they're kind of used to it. Um, the most racial tension I felt was in Russia. Um, I mean, it was intense. I was, I mean, <laughs> like, I, I, I don't, I won't go back um, for sure. And I had friends who actually got jumped over there just walking down the street. And wow. they were they were doing background for um, an instrument. They were musicians, and they were there for Justin Bieber. They were his background group, and they were just out at night having drinks and got jumped in the like this on the street randomly. Wow! Um, and then when I got there, like as soon as you get on the plane, you just see people like staring and looking and grabbing purses and whatever. And I'm just like, oh okay. Um, yeah. The least for me, I think, which is strange, was um, Germany. Uh, and I even asked why, because I was like, why? This you know, is not what know, I expected. We know, we know German history, you know? Right. And so it's like, y'all got, got some problems. And I was like, you know, why are you guys so nice here? And, and the woman, she says, you know, because, because of our history, we, have, we go out of our way to prove to the world that we aren't like that anymore. Wow. And I was like, oh, that's what it is. But it, I, I mean, I love Germany. I had an amazing time. Uh, I felt completely safe at all times there. Uh, it used to be Amsterdam, and then while I was shooting the film, uh, Seeking Asylum, uh, it was a lot of issues that came up, and it was like, oh, okay, so this is not the place. And I actually go back to Amsterdam now to help uh, fight some of, the, some of the racial issues that they had. And we're going to put the, the link for Seeking Asylum. So I think uh, if you're listening to this podcast and you've gotten this far, you really need to be checking out Seeking Asylum. Um, but what made you, okay, what is Seeking Asylum? Um, and then what made you record that? Um, so Seeking Asylum is my, is my first documentary that I've, I've ever done. I wasn't even a filmmaker at the time. I, I worked in casting. I've come from, I'm a writer. Um, and Freddie Gray was killed in Baltimore. And I was actually going to, I was on my way to, uh, to Amsterdam for King's Day. Um, he was killed uh, maybe weeks before that. And my first stop before going to Amsterdam was Norway, though. And so a friend was like, oh, <clears throat> what are you going to Norway for, to seek asylum? And I was like, oh, that's actually not a bad idea, you know? And <laughs> I, I just come, like, I mean, the Freddie Gray thing was just so intense. And I was, and it was that moment where it was like, you know, a 
America's so anti-black because they, you know, one, they said, you know, we didn't do anything to him. I'm like, oh, did his blackness kill him? Like, is, is blackness that heavy that it just broke his spine, you know? And so I'm like, okay. So I got to Norway and I just had my, my cell phone um, and a camera. And I just asked people around the around Norway, like, hey, if we wanted to move here, would you, if black folks felt so threatened in the US and we wanted to move to this country, would you take us? Um, and then we went from Norway to London, to Amsterdam um, and Paris. And I just asked everyone, um, everyone I ran into was like, hey, look, I live in America, you know what's happening there, can I move here? What would you say? And I got home and I just had all this footage and a friend was like, oh, you should make a film out of it. I'm like, oh, all right. So I had someone teach me how to edit. Um, I edited the film and then it just became this thing and I just put it out and it just it was, it was accepted over and over in different places. And someone said, oh, you're a filmmaker. I was like, oh, okay, I guess so. I guess I am. <laughs> I guess I am. And that's what happened. Um, and it just became this conversation starter. It was like, oh, America is, is America that bad? And it also showed other countries where, like, Amsterdam, I was like, oh, because before we got to Amsterdam, I was like, you know, this might be the place I'm going to move to. Oh, this is great. I've never felt any kind of racial tension here, da, da, da. And that, that night, I mean, we're at McDonald's, and I'm sitting there, I'm just recording my friend having a conver regular conversation. And the manager picks up, like, this young Black kid and throws him out of the restaurant, and then all these Black kids come out of nowhere. And then you see outside, and it's like 50 cops. And it's like, what, what's going on? So I just grab the camera, run to the window, and it's like this huge fight between the cops and the black kids. Wow. And I'm like, this is America, you know? And uh, I was like, this is not the place that we need to come. And when the film got into South Africa, I took my camera there as well, and then recorded those conversations like, hey, could we move to South Africa? Um, and so it just became this rolling, continuous thing that we're still working on and still creating like other things for other countries like, hey, because um, I did enjoy South Africa, and I'm not sure if that's the place that we can go now um, at this moment. But I think I think it is a place, but only if we go and we go in droves, because the young kids are ready to change it, but the old folks have to die out. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, that's so that's what it is. It's a film, um, and it's just opened up a few doors, and I'm I'm excited to see how far to go. And, and because the whole thing, the, the one thing I found, like, even during, like, questioning and answers and panels for the film, people are like, well, you know, you went through Europe and you think that this European country, that, that place is racist, too. And I'm like, yeah, okay, racism exists everywhere. So that's a thing. But whenever I'm in Europe, I don't fear that I won't make it home that night. I don't, if a cop walks up on me, I'm not, I'm not nervous about it. Um, I'm not scared of some random dude like some random white dude just on the other side of the thing. Like, that's America. Like, I, as soon as I, like, I remember being in Amsterdam and as racist as they are, or you know, try not to say they are, but they are. Um, I remember I was walking down the street and the cop just tapped me on the shoulder and he's like, hey, watch out, the train's coming. And I was like, oh, thanks. So I, I kept walking and I realized that I wasn't nervous when I turned around and saw that cop. Mm. And, I, and I was like, oh, dang, is that only in the States that I get nervous when I see a police officer? And I realized that that's only there. Um, so yeah, racism exists everywhere, but it's a sense like of safety. It's, it's like trying to find a piece of uh, that peace of mind. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, yeah, it's racism there, but you will, you you won't go crazy. Oh yeah, I, I, I uh, so one of the things that I found real surprising is the influence that 
the hip hop culture has had abroad. Like, and it, it makes me it makes me angry at times uh, with some of the messages that go out now uh, because the images that they get from hip hop is what they often associate with us, especially being a black male. Like um, some of my boys now back back uh, in the UAE, I could be walking down the hall and they'll walk up and they're like, yo, Mr. Mr. What's up? They doing this right. And I'm like, bro, why are you talking to me like that? Like, first of all, you know, you don't even know me like that. And then my partners I do that with, we wouldn't even, like you not, you can't be on the squad. Yeah. You can't be on the squad. You can't no. be on the squad. Nope. So, but it, it, it made me also conscious to the fact that like now when they come up to me and they like this, or oh, mister, you listen to this? I'm like, yo, you know who Tupac Shakur is? Scratch these new dudes. I need you to go listen to what he's talking about. Mm -hmm. Like I sent him, I sent him in a direction. I sent him to Nas, right? Mm -hmm. I sent him to something that's gonna make him come back and ask me, well, mister, what did this mean? Or why did he say this or whatever? So I was just interested to know, uh, to see if, if, if that has been the experience for you guys as well is, is that hip hop has had a big influence, you know, yeah, around like the completely, completely. I, like I remember um, everywhere. Like I always said, like working in entertainment, I say that there's no such thing as just entertainment. You know, there the music, the films, the TV shows, everything represent like, and now this whole thing representation matters. Like that's always been a thing. So when people watch these shows. It, it kind of builds these societies that either don't exist or, you know, and or make us believe that we have to fit into. Um, and so being out in the world, they, they think that um, we're all like a Tyler Perry character or we are all um, hip hop. Like I remember going to a wedding in South Africa in a, in a, in a village, like a proper village um, in Limpopo, which is in the north. And the first American that's ever been in this village. And I get there and everyone's like truly South African. And my friend's like, yeah, this is my friend Darnell. He's from uh he's from the States. And they're like, oh my nigga, what's up? Yeah, what's yeah. up? You know, what's up, my nigga? I'm yeah. like, no, what? You're like, <laughs> Time out, flag on the play, no. <laughs> wait, I was like, no. And then you go and you go into their house and all they like literally all they watch are hip hop videos from the US. Mm. And I'm like, oh, that's why. This is an issue. It is. <laughs> this is the problem. It is a and, issue. Right. And, and now, like, I don't know if, if you even, Janelle, when you were in South Africa, we listened to much of the radio and much music, but you listen to like the South African trap music. And if mm -hmm. you, I got back to the States, like, oh, y'all know this song so and so. I don't know who the artist is. They're like, I don't know that song. And I realized that, oh, that was a South African singing that. Yeah. It sounds just like the, like American music. And they're, wow. trying to be, they're trying to be just like America. Yeah. Wow. But the only thing they have of America is uh, are those rappers. And so it's like, those rappers aren't even living those lives. <laughs> right, right. That's not even real. That's not even real for them. And I, I will say, when we went to that club, I think it was like one of the last nights I was there. When we went to that club, I was like, this is like the girls that were dancing, the music. I was like, is this, did we just... <laughs> yeah. Did we just pick up America and replace it here? What is happening? It it did. It looked exactly like a music video. Now that you say, and I still have that video too. Really, I have all the receipts. Can't nobody call me on nothing. Nope. Yep. I got footage on everything. But yeah, I think I think that's that's also so 
and and I will say this, uh, my mom has always been this person about changing the perception. Um, she has a, a an organization called Change the Perception where she actually conceived this like a long time ago and she's been talking about it uh, for a very long time. And the concept of Change the Perception is, it started, you know, when Trayvon's and all, really all of them, insert name here, um, happened where she was saying like, the, the reason that these kids keep getting killed, these people keep getting killed is because the assumption is X, Y, Z. So we need to change the perception of what black men look like. We need to change the perception of what black women look like. We need to change whatever that perception is. And it sounds like, I mean, like really from my experience, even being, you know, in Colombia or in, in South Africa, it's the same situation. I think it's not super different um, here. The same images that you're talking about that are in the UAE or in Colombia or in South Africa are the same images that people have of black people here. We know that Tyler Perry is a caricature. We know that because we know what black people look like to us, but a lot of other people do not know that. And so that perception thing is a is it that's the thing that we end up fighting i think half the time I agree and then um for me our my experience about ra with racism in taiwan was completely different because i taught in changhua which mm -hmm. was a rural area and then i went to new taipei taiwan which is the city so mm -hmm. the first off there were no black people in changhua just just me <laughs> only me but then when i went to new taipei you can see the influence of hip-hop culture because it's the city it's the mm -hmm. it's the the main area so you get to see the the graffiti the influence of people uh, how the boys will wear their clothes and we even saw like break dancers like as you know that's still such a big thing mm -hmm. but break dancers in the street or like people rapping uh you know they have like um korean rappers mm -hmm. and like a Chinese rappers who Korean put Korean trap rap. music is a thing. That's a legit. Th have you never seen that? <laughs> yes. Have you never seen that? I've not seen it. I will be sending you a video because Korean, Korean trap music trap is music. a thing. I, I didn't hear it at all. Have you seen that, Darnell? Like, hey. <laughs> Korean. Darnell, you haven't seen that? Music. I've seen it. Oh, oh okay. I was going to say, I can't I've imagine it. Yeah. yeah. That yeah, is yeah. a thing. Yeah. Wow. Korean, Japanese too. Japanese have Japanese, yeah. Like full on videos and every like production, everything. I guess everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's definitely out there. It's it's it is out there. But I do think again, like so. One of the things that I, the the thing that I had with a student was, which is again not super different from being in the U.S. Was um, the my nigga thing was a thing for them, um, and he was like, no, it's okay, cause I am, and I was like. Because because what it means is darker than white. And so he was darker, but he looked like a Latino. He didn't look like anybody. He was just darker. He was the darkest of all his friends. So that's why they, he was like, oh, yeah, my friends call me nigga. And I was you like. Know, I had the same experience with my child. She was like seven years old and she was a brown skinned Taiwanese girl. And she said, she said, teacher, why? She said, why are you black? Why? Why am I black? And she was like, I know I'm black because of I am black like this. Like her family was fair skinned, but she wanted to know why I was black. Like, how did you get there? And how do you answer that question? I, I don't know how I got here. Question mark? I, I don't. 
Hold up. <laughs> yeah, so just having to explain to her, like um, piggybacking off what you guys said, the ignorance in Asia when it comes to racism and then the influence that we have through our hip hop culture and through music and how we're perceived is differently. Because uh, my um, boyfriend who is not um, boyfriend now, he's 6'3". And he doesn't play basketball, but he he was assumed in Asia to be some sports player. So we got like a lot of free stuff, a whole, he got a, a meal named after him in a restaurant. Like he just, he just was assumed to be someone extremely, he was just an average guy. He just assumed mm -hmm. to be, you know, something greater than what he was. And for that, it was, it was more positive as opposed to the negative. Well, black, I think, I feel like black men get that all the time. Yeah. Like anytime I travel. Oh, right. what, what are you over here for? Uh, basketball? Are you on the on the team? Like anytime, yeah. and, I, and it's crazy. Now I just I just go with it. like yeah yeah yeah, uh, playing for the you know the, right. You just right. say yeah 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 yeah. 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 Just yeah. because why not? Was, yeah. <laughs> I was I was uh, I was Kevin Hart somewhere, and I just kind of roll with it. <laughs> if you need, yeah, yeah, yeah okay sure yeah yeah, yeah it's yeah. fine. I kind of roll with it. And say it with your chest, you yeah, know. I and, could I could say if, I could throw out a few. And in uh, when I went to when I went to Thailand, I was fifty cent. You were fifty. I'm sorry. When I went to Thailand, I was fifty cent. Oh, that's a very specific I choice just, of 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 musician I had, too. I had a, I, I had a I had a fitty hat on. Indonesians love black people. When we um when we were traveling, lots of Indonesians wanted to take pictures. They wanted our autographs. This one lady, she was pregnant. She was like, please, 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 please. Can we take a photo? She was like, my son will be a boy. Can you, uh, like, she wanted me to touch her, uh, her stomach and things like that. And it was just so crazy. Every Indonesian that I came across were super friendly, super grateful to, um, to see us, to meet us, to speak to us in English, even though it was like maybe a few words or so. They were super, super welcoming to us. And, and that is why Black yeah, folks be seeking just, asylum. That's why they be leaving. Yeah, that I, right? just, <laughs> I just roll with it. Cause, cause, cause everybody loves us about as much as y'all hate us. Yeah, uh, I just, I just roll with it. <laughs> yeah, I'll be Fifty Cent. That's cool. I'll yeah, be Kevin Hart today. That's baptisms, cool. Baptisms, bar mitzvahs. <laughs> you will not perform. <laughs> you I, do not. I do it all. I do it all. That is too much. So, how do you guys think that uh, being black in America has prepared you for living abroad? I think it's more self-aware and more cautious. I know I've had, um, I've had friends who've been mugged and who've been harassed or things like that. But me, and especially being from New York, I'm very self-aware, aware of my surroundings and environment, aware of my language as well when it comes to other people and dealing with people, knowing how to diffuse situations and have thick and tough skin. Because it's, I've had people yell out in, in Taiwan, you know, nigga, or things like that. Or one of my students, he was like four, he called me a porch monkey. And I had, I had to gather myself <laughs> together because he's a child. Your mama. <laughs> he said your mama. <laughs> and I was very, very upset with that. But learning to have thick skin and also standing up for myself because I had to let them know that I was not about to endure any here after that so definitely being um aware of my surroundings and having thick skin yeah I, I, yeah. I, yeah I mean that that sounds great I, I think for me um it's just made me more appreciative of everything outside of the U. it's like I get there and I'm like oh 
it just feels good. So I think it's it's when you you've gone through the worst, and so everything else is just much easier. Yeah. So like even even in the worst places, I'm just like, this still ain't this still ain't bad. This is all right, you know. I feel at peace. Um, so the U.S. is is like I went to an HBCU, and so I remember orientation. They were like. You know, once you make it through here, you can make it through life. And I was like, oh, okay, let's see what that means. And then you realize graduation, you're like, dang, like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, like I've made I've, I've made it through. And so it's like you, the U.S., like you're, the U.S. is like pledging, basically. It's like, damn, this is the worst thing I'll ever go through. It is like training. It's like a training ground, ain't it? Like, and I think, I think the other thing is that people don't realize all the things that we endure like things that are I was telling somebody the other day I don't think I realized how many of the things I internalized like I can point to certain moments uh things you know I always talk about uh the first time there there are two times that I realized what black was like there well there was a there was a part that I realized where it was different and then the second time was the time that I realized it was bad and I was both times I was under 10 um, so the first time that I realized I was black, be apparently I don't know my colors. I'm just going full disclosure. I don't know colors very well. Uh, but I think I was like five or something. And my grandmother would always ask me, um, what color is your, like if I tell a story, what color is your friend? And I never got that question. I wasn't raised in a house where we talked about those things, especially not at that early of an age. When we got older, we did. But at that early of an age, my mom was just like, Tell your stories, your friends or your friends, whatever, no big deal. Um, and my grandmother, of course, different generation, would always ask, what, well, what color is she? And I'd be like, ah, she's peach? I don't, like, she's not like that different from me. Again, again, colors are a thing. Colors were a thing. I have, I, I have, I've learned colors uh, since then. Uh, I've grown into knowing my colors. But at the time, I didn't really understand the question, and my, my grandmother was like, no, you're brown, like you're black, and that's, that's different. And that was the first time that I realized it was different. And I remember my mom saying later that she was really upset because she was like, she's gonna have the rest of her life to realize how different she is. And you took that away from her earlier than she had to know the difference. Um, but the next time was uh, going to Arkansas and those long, god-awful trips. I mean, not god-awful. Sorry. I love you, Daddy. Those long trips to uh, <laughs> Little Rock. It, you know, as a kid, everything feels like 28,000 hours. And I remember taking a trip, and we had gotten out to go to the gas station. It was my, my uh, older sister and I. And we had gotten out. We'd gone to the gas station. We asked for candy. We got our candy. And as kids, like, we had shown the guy, and then we ran out the gas station. And the way that my father came out of the gas station and my stepmother, like, met us and snatched us up, my daddy was like, you do not do that here. And we were like, we just, we got candy. Like, what happened? He was like, no, you don't run from places. When you run, they think you stole something. That was the moment that I thought, oh, this is bad. And I think I was, I had to be, I had to be nine. I had to be like eight or nine because my, my youngest sister hadn't been born yet. So those are the things that I think that people in the U.S. don't realize how those things, we, we internalize those things. Yeah, they shape you and they inter you internalize them. And, and the things where you're saying you're very cautious about things, it's because of moments like that. Whatever, whatever your moment was with your mother or your family members, whatever, those moments are the things that I think people don't realize that when you, when you become 30, 35, you still carry that and you still react in this world based on 
those experiences? Yeah, I, I think I think for me, um, growing up being black in America, it prepared me, and I and I followed their sentiments. Um, one to be courageous, right, mm. and be confident in who I am, but it has also caused me to have empathy and sympathy mm. for uh, the minority, mm. right? Because as you travel on that side of the world, especially in the Middle East, there are a lot of workers, mm. right? Um, and they are not treated always as people. And I have a hard time being anywhere or seeing any group of people, regardless of their race, their sexual orientation, gender, like anybody who's treated differently because of something different about them, I have a problem with that. Mm. And surprisingly, where I'm at, I've had to kind of, I won't say check, but I've had to tell some people who look like me, my, you know, like, I really don't feel, I, I can't give up what you're doing right now because if there's anybody who ought not ever treat anybody a certain way because they're different, it's a black American. Mm. And you have people who, who's kind of, you know, they go over there and then they kind of get a little money and they start smelling themselves a little bit, as my grandmama would say. <laughs> but um, it's just, I, I think growing up here has helped me to kind of be a, a fighter. Like, like I, you know, I got respect for my man and how he's um, doing his thing. But it, it, it causes me to have to stand up and say things sometimes to people that I don't know what the outcome is going to be, but you can't treat people like that in front of me and I not say anything. So. Mm. Um, it, it is that growing up in America has helped me to be that way, and I'm and I'm okay with that. And that's okay great that, that you say that because even um, for me, like being in South Africa, uh, I, I and I never even thought about it, but it's the same way because being there, you have the Black South Africans who are struggling, but they also have um, these people who come in from other countries and become the workers. Right. And like all my friends have, I would say fifty percent of my friends have live-in help. Right. Um, and then the other 50% have people who just come by and clean. And so, and I see how they treat them and I'm like, you can't treat these people this way. Right. Why are you, and they, and they look at me like, why do you, why are you so nice? And I'm like, what? <laughs> and so and I've never even thought about it, but I, being in America, that, that definitely happens. Cause it's like, I know how I was treated. Right. And, right. and it's, it's sort of like you, you being, a, you know, you were a waiter when you were 16 and now you go to restaurants and you treat waiters really well because you knew how you were treated mm -hmm. when you were that waiter. And it's like, mm -mm, I talk nice to all my people, <laughs> everybody who serves food, you yeah. know. Um, but the, and so yeah, that's that's a great way to look at that. I and I've often said that about like being in customer service, having worked in customer service for seven years, and being called lots of different things, being talked to. Being a woman, I, I was a woman and the boss of like eight different people and the assumption that that was not my position, that I was there to clean cars or move cars and I'm the one that's actually moving all the things that's assisting you in getting a car. Um, having been in those places and going, like I was sitting somewhere the other day and the other lady was like, you're not mad? And I was like, no, stuff happens sometimes. Like stuff just happens. Like, yeah, I mean, I get it. You press for time, but sometimes stuff just happens. And and it is 
that is that empathy that you're talking about. It, I always say people need to work in customer service, but I don't think we can get a whole bunch of people to be black one day. I don't think that's going to be a, <laughs> I don't think we can make that happen. Um, work um, working black? Yeah, I don't think, I don't think we can do that. <laughs> I, I don't know if somebody got some magical powers, but I don't think we can do that. Yeah. What do you think that the U.S. can learn from other countries oh, with wow. how they treat well, I, I think I think for me, like I always talk about, <clears throat> like I get this question sometimes, and I always bring back uh, Berlin, because Berlin is Germany is one of those places. Like you still have some people there that are old and still see things one way, but for the most part, they've acknowledged what's happened, mm -hmm. and the U.S. won't do that. You know, right. Germany has said, "Listen, we know we played a major role in this in this." one of the worst things that's ever happened in the history of the, of the world. Um, and we want to be better people because of that. Um, the U.S. is like, yeah, okay, <laughs> it, it happens. Uh, and we're still just going to move on in the way that we're going to move on. And I think, I think they could learn something from, from that. Because uh, even like the companies, like when I was over there, you have companies like Hugo Boss and... Um, uh, Fanta and all these all these major corporations that like Hugo Boss made the uniforms for the Nazis. You know what I mean? But now that the, the Holocaust ended, the Hugo Boss to their responsibility. They said this is what happened. Whatever. Like, we are very forgiving people, but we can't forgive you if you're not going to acknowledge mm -hmm. what's happened. Like black folks, we are the we are very forgiving. Right. And it's and it's also been proven. Like history shows that. <laughs> yeah, like historically, like, you know, we forgave our cousin that one time. We can't do it again. But right. <laughs> you know, that, that first time we were like, oh, you know, step in the name of love is kind of good. But now it's like, yeah, fuck our cousin. But, you know, it's like we forgive. But if you're not going to come up and say, listen, we know we were wrong. We did this. Then we, we, we can't give you anything either. I think and I think that's I was going to ask you if you think that that's the major issue, because I think for me, like a lot of the times that's what it is. Okay, let's, again, simpl I'm all about simplifying things. With the whole Black Lives Matter versus All Lives Matter, that's the problem. The fact that you all lives matter everything that has ever happened. And what I mean by that is when people are yelling Black Lives Matter, the fact that you can't just say, you know what? They do. You were right. Yeah. <laughs> like, like they do actually matter. Now that I think about now, it. Now that you've pointed that out to me. Yeah. Yes, like that, that acknowledgement, I think it's, it's the consistent denial, um, either, either outward denial or silence that I think tends to breed a lot of, of the responses that they're getting. If you would just say, hey, we, we fucked this shit up. Right. Like we just, we did it all wrong. Let's try again. A lot of people, I think it would go a long way. Yeah. Yeah, but it's, it's like, you know, it's like Baldwin said, I was reading uh, this thing about Bal uh, watching an interview and he was basically like, you know, and this was in the 60s, but he's like, what you're watching now is like the, the falling of an empire. He's like, so everyone's just trying to cling to something. And I'm like, damn, this is what's exact. This is exactly what's happening. We're watching like the fall of the U.S. and everyone's and we have this president who's trying to just cling to this last little bit of power and just throw as much as he can toward it because it's like we won't have this in a couple of years. And it needs to be destroy i think you, there are so many times where you have to destroy and rebuild but you have to destroy it and they and they're not willing to destroy because i think by them admitting to it you have to admit that your father and your grandfather and your mother they were all liars and they were all wrong 
Mm. And, so, and that's a hard thing to do. It's like, no, but these people are good people who raised me. It's like, yeah, that's fine, but your father's still a rapist. And you, know, you, and you say shit like, but it's fine. He, okay, he could be a good father, but you gotta be able to hold several truths in your mouth. And so he's a good father, yes, but he's also a murderer. And he also destroyed this whole village and whatever, whatever. Yeah. And people aren't willing to do that. What, um, this is actually my last question. So I'm, um, I'm gonna kind of make it a two-parter, if you will. Um, Specifically, being black, what do you think it, what would you tell people, our people, who do not travel? Why is it important that they travel? And the second part is, what, what benefit would it be for them to travel? What would they be able to bring back? I think it's definitely important for us to travel because the major, at least my family hasn't been, you know, blessed to travel so much. So having a closed off mind and themselves being ignorant to a lot of things, you know, also results in the situations they allow themselves to be in. A lot of times with, you know, self-love and, and confidence and finances and things like that. So I believe that once you get outside of that, once you step outside of your comfort zone to see something else, like the majority of experiences have been, you know, well welcomed and loved and, you know, me educating. I get the opportunity, me personally, not, you know, a, a, a music video or someone else. When I go travel, I personally get to educate people about who I am and what people look like me are and who they are, you know. Most people are like, wow, you're so friendly. Oh, wow, you're so smart. Wow, you're so this. And I get to change that. I do because I've traveled. And I get to share my experience with other people. And if I, which I already do, but if I could tell people, especially my family and friends to get out and to see something else, it's, it makes you um, a more well-rounded person. You're, you're less stressed and you're more carefree about things. I'm like, well, well, it's, it's not that serious to me because I've seen, I've lived, a, you know, and I had to take a shower out of a bucket, you know, right. taking my out of a bucket reserving my little bit of water you know <laughs> things are not that important to me you know anymore I'm not so stressed out about having oh I need this I need that and da, 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 da. it's like ah like um you said my love being a minimalist I'm not quite there but I do know how to make do small amount <laughs> I wouldn't call myself a minimalist neither but but I see what you're doing. And, and, and I will say, when I, went, when I went to visit you in South Africa, like I had to have a moment of prayer with myself because you saw I still brought them big, I still brought them big bags. Yeah, don't do, I, so I was going to say, don't do me. I'm going to do myself before you even get a chance to call me out. That's cool. But uh, yeah, I had to have a moment with myself. Like, okay, I know I'm about to come over here and we, we about to, we, this, this ain't going to be what I, how I normally travel. I, ain't, I can't say that I'm a minimalist quite yet. I can't, but, but, I, but I see what you're doing and I kind of want to be there. I, I kind of I want to be there. I, I just, or, or at least visit. I want to visit there. Come through, man. come through, bring it back there. <laughs> what? Yeah, what? but, but I, th I think for me, it's um, like, I, I, I feel like we need to travel so we can have an opinion about the world. Um, yeah. Like I, 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 you know, I shared on Facebook last week, I said, so many people with the world view that's only been slightly beyond their stop sign, you know? And it's like, you guys have a lot of opinions about a lot of things happening in the world. You don't really know what's happening. Like you, you go to uh, the UAE or you go to uh, South Africa or, Columbia and you watch the news about America and you're like, oh, this is the real news because this mm -hmm. is not what they're showing us. Mm -hmm. Oh, this, oh. There's gosh, not a, there's not a, not a Kardashian, Kardashian insight. Or, 
Or how many times have you gone somewhere and you're like, oh, I'm going to Colombia, I'm going to, I'm going to the Middle East, and they're like, watch out for those terrorists. It's like I haven't seen a terrorist since I've been there. What are right, you right, right. What right. are you talking about? You know what I mean? And it's like, oh, because you know, um, right. and so you get to develop these things, um, and you you learn so much more about yourself. You, you're able to push your limits. Like I think, I think one, we need to travel, but I think everyone should do a solo trip. Also, I think solo taking a solo trip is important. Um, to learn who you are, who you are in certain spaces, who you are outside of your comfort zone. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's it. It's, it's a huge learning experience. Um, and now that you can do it for so low, for so little, it's like, why not? Yeah, I guess for me also, I, I, I piggyback off of what they said. There's a quote that says that education is the process of going from unconscious ignorance to conscious ignorance. Mm. And traveling has really shown me that mm. that the more i know the more i find out i don't really know right right and i think why it's so important for for black americans to travel is because once you can rewrite the narrative mm -hmm. on a lot of the stuff that we've been told right and you can come back home you're now better informed you can make better decisions like you know, I grew up in Oak Cliff, uh, grew up, you know, kind of rough parts of Oak Cliff or whatever, and there's this narrative when you grow up in the urban cities of America that you gotta be this, this hard person, you gotta, you know, go for yours, you gotta scrap, uh, and in a sense, some of that is true, but it wasn't until I started traveling that I said, you know what, those really aren't my adversaries. Those are my brothers. They just don't know it. Mm. They don't know that they 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 not informed that, like we really shouldn't be at odds with each other. Yeah. Like, like you really my brother, and that and that becomes more and more clear as I travel. Like I say, I go to Egypt and these people know nothing about me, but it's like my brother, you made it home. Mm -hmm. You know, or mm -hmm. if I, I went to Zanzibar uh, in Stone Town, right, and it was just like. If I, it felt like it was the homecoming, right? Like, mm -hmm. oh, my brother, you made it back, mm -hmm. you know? And so I, I think that um, black Americans traveling and gaining those kind of experiences, I think it would help to come back and better a community of people starting with the mind. Um, so, and like you said, man, I, I tell my cousins them, you know, they say, oh man, I want to do this, I want to do that. And I'm like, yo, if you can just do, like a plane ticket is nothing but what three months of no mm -hmm. no nails and no this and no shoe you mm -hmm. know like i'm like you got a plane ticket sitting in your closet actually how, actually when you look at it like do that you really want to travel yeah. you know um and so i've been trying to get them to, to kind of think outside of the box especially when it comes to material stuff it's like that's just stuff man and and it's only it's what's crazy about that is that only in America, well, I'm not going to say only in America, but for me, only in America is where so much value is placed on stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, I've met over there where I'm at, uh, I've seen, like, it's this Indian guy that stays near me. Man, he owns all kind of stuff in the UAE. My man come out the house looking like he stepped right out of Goodwill. Like, and it, it means, and, and like, it's, it's, it's nothing to him. It, he cares nothing about that. And it's mm -hmm. like, it's just some things, like I said, that we can rewrite the narrative um, of some of the stuff that we've been taught or that's been kind of 
uh, push down our throats, then right. I think we we could we could do a lot better. So traveling is important for the exposure. Yeah. Um, well, as I am always um, an artist, artist first, I like to give my people a time to talk about the things that they have going on and how they are making changes or just being heard. So um, I'll start with you, Jeremy. What you got going on? Um, most recently, uh, we have, a, we, well, this guy that's in the UAE, he, he tapped me to uh, be a part of a project um, it's 10 black men, we, we, and, and actually I'm impressed with one of the uh, guys. He's a young guy, he's about, I want to say about 14 or 15, and he was a part of the project as well. Uh, but we just wrote about our experiences being abroad, uh, the uh, financial opportunities that it has afforded us, uh, uh, the education that it has afforded us, and uh, we, com we compile these things together, and uh, a book is coming out. The book should be out next couple of weeks, but it's called Going Global, the, uh, the 10 stories of uh, black men who traveled abroad. And so uh, that's, that's the last thing I've worked on. Um, kind of excited about that project, and we'll just see whatever, what the future holds from there. Sounds good. Yeah. Darnell. Um, <clears throat> me, uh, so PassportRequired.com. Um, Always taking trips, 925, come through. Um, what else is going on? Uh, I, sorry, I have a mental health film, uh, black mental health film, because we're not talking about that. We, it's things we don't talk about, things we don't share, and there's never been a time in the, while we've been in the U.S., since we're talking about the U.S., where we've been without at least stress. And so I think that we all need to talk to someone. And so I made a film called Outside the House, just talking to people about why they never shared their problems, uh, and or their issues and why we need to um and that's outside the house doc.com um and right now we're in the editing process of a film that we now have to retitle because there's a film already by the title <laughs> but originally it was called no uh it's a film about sexual assault and rape and rape yeah apparently in 2006 there was a film made called no and so we're working it on it. It's like so simple. Like it should, that shouldn't be out there, right? Shouldn't be out there. Uh, and, or I should have found it. And I or, didn't find yes. it, but I was, at a, I was at a book conference. I mean, a book um, reading last week and the guy mentioned that film and I was like, wait, what? Um, and so we're retired, but it's about uh, rape culture around the world and um, how we, hopefully we can end it soon. Um, and I think that's it. I'm, you know, writing for Sesame Street, trying to create some things and trying to write some children's books and blah, blah, blah. Um, life is good. And I just want to take a moment to thank the three of you, especially the two of you who are not even here and you happen to come oh, in. You, yeah. Oh, see, he always throwing these words. I mean, I'm still trying to learn how to respond to thank yous and your welcomes and other languages. Um, but I appreciate you for coming. I know you're on your, on your vacation and he came to chill out with us and for you guys for uh, Skype, well, not Skyping, zooming in, I guess, and chatting with us. I appreciate it. Um, we are going to go ahead and I guess any any parting words? Yeah, I'd like to say uh, it was great. Uh, nice to meet you guys. For sure, you uh, as well. Uh, well yes, wishes as you further your endeavors. Glad. I'm glad. I'll be asking all of y'all back, I'm sure, at some point or another for some other things. So. 
just go ahead and be ready for that private message on the Facebooks because that's what I do. Cool. All right. I appreciate you guys so, so much. Uh, all right. I guess that ends another episode of Echoes on Air. Uh, yeah. Go out and be great, people. Create hope, forge a path, change the world. We'll see you next episode.